Freeway entrance. I'm Dusty Baker and Derek Johnson is merging along with me as we have now made our way through the first month of the NL West action. Well, the Dodgers and Giants have the two best run differentials in the entire MLB right now. The Padres are sticking around. Rockies have kind of fallen off a little bit, but they're still above 500. And then you got the Diamondbacks still in there, just, uh, you know, kind of waiting to see what, what happens with some of the young players over there. And now, have like all sorts of non-baseball related to baseball news with Trevor Bauer, like the whole Giants team is going into COVID protocols. So uh, kind of a wild week. And we'll get to those here in just a second. Before we do, though, important stuff. This is our fielder's choice, Derek. And so uh, it's where we debate non-baseball things here on the West Coast. And so let's just get right to it. There are many theme parks here on the West Coast. Universal Studios, Six Flags, California Adventure, and then, of course, everybody talks about Disneyland. Out of that list I just listed right there, which is the best and why? So I'm a big thrill seeker and, um, you know, roller coaster guy. So for that reason, I think you have to go with, with Six Flags Magic Mountain. It has the best rides. It has the most. I mean, uh, gosh, last time when we were living out there, it was 20-something rides. I think it's up even more now it wouldn't surprise me if it's around 30 or something like that there's a bunch of different types that you can thrill universal studios uh you know california adventure they're nice change-ups knott's berry farm is kind of just like the knockoff version of, of six flags disneyland is interesting because again it's a change-up like it's different but yeah if, if you're going for the rides you got to go six flags you know uh, i have to mention this derek and i both grew up together in the same city that's santa clarita california which is the home of your six flags magic mountain so uh derek and i have had countless adventures out there at six flags uh, the homer in me wants to say six flags i'm gonna say that's my number two on this list uh i'm not gonna be the classic disneyland like 99 percent of the country will say i'm here with derek and i'll have a different choice mine will be universal studios uh, I'm willing to admit this. I'm a Harry Potter nerd. Don't end the recording. Don't stop listening to us because I said that if you don't love it. I, I just happen to be one. So Harry Potter world is super cool to me. <laughs> Anyways, the high tide headlines that Derek kind of alluded to in the open. We're just going to get right into the top story, which is Trevor Bauer. First of all, he filed a lawsuit against the woman who accused him of sexual assault to start the week. And on the day of recording, he has been suspended for two years. That's 324 games. And obviously, with the Dodgers contract that he signed, that goes through the 2023 season. So, Derek, Trevor Bauer, is he ever going to pitch in the MLB again? I say no. <laughs> Man, I, I think yes. There's still like an appeals process that could happen and maybe gets reduced or something like that. Um, and, and yeah, it's really more than two years. Because if you think about it, it was it was basically through most of this past year. So you're talking about over 400 games at that point. Um, we've uh, like Marcelo Zuna is, is playing right away with the Atlanta Braves. So I, I do think that he will pitch again in the major leagues. I'm curious to see what happens here, because if you look at his age right now, okay, he's 31 years old. He turns 32 in January. He will end up being 34 years old by the time he's eligible to pitch in the league. And as Derek mentioned here, he still does have a potential appeal process, but it sounds like this is going to be a lengthy process. This is not going to be positive news for Bauer, at least for I would ex expect the near future. Um, and we'll see what happens in terms of what his – MLB status will be long-term, 
but we can pretty much assure you that yes for the rest of this season we're not seeing him and it remains to be seen what his status will be as a whole but I don't expect him to ever pitch for the LA Dodgers again this is absolutely massive news and also it's news that needed to be done I would say a long time ago you wonder what exactly the MLB was waiting for but now we know it's not one month it's not one year Two years for Trevor Bauer. Okay, moving on throughout our high tide headlines. Uh, the Padres, they selected not Clay Thompson, but Trace Thompson to come up. He absolutely torched the entire minor league system, and they basically were forced to call him up at this point. Also, the Padres put Luke Voigt on the IL. That was the follow-up move. Any thoughts there, Derek? I do think it's cool that you have the lineage there. I think they have another brother, gosh, like in the G League for a little bit um, as well, and I could have sworn, wasn't he a Dodgers draft pick? He was. Yes, he was with the Dodgers. He's gone through like the White Sox organization. I mean, he's really jumped around. I believe he was with the A's for a little bit too. Um, he just really hasn't had much of an opportunity. And his time in the MLB, you know, he's had maybe small moments, but nothing that really made him stick out and keep him at the top level. It's something to, to monitor, I guess. Certainly like some of the young guys that have come up for the Padres, like Camposano is off to a little bit of a slow start. CJ Abrams is, I know those are different positions, but uh, clearly they're looking for some guys to step up in, in the absence of Fernando Tatis and who knows, maybe he can provide a nice little lift and that'd be kind of a cool storyline. If, if he starts to go off while Clay Thompson's going deep in the playoffs. Really sad news here. Uh, we just talked about him on a really recent episode. Oliver Perez, my man, pitched in the league for 20 years. The Diamondbacks DFA him. Are we ever going to see him pitch in the MLB again? He spent half his life in the MLB. I'll say somebody else gives him a flyer. Why not? I, I want that to happen. Somebody give him a flyer, please. Baltimore Orioles. Give him a shot. He'll be your best pitcher. All right, and the final headline that we got here, as Derek also alluded to, the San Francisco Giants, they've been dealing with some COVID issues. They have now their third player that has been a part of the outbreak. It started with Mike Yastrzemski. Dominic Leone now is involved in this one. And uh, now the locker room access, the clubhouse access, is also limited because of the outbreak. What are your thoughts? And, and honestly, what does this do for the Giants? Yeah, so Brandon Belt going on the IL too. Um, who knows if, if other players are going to um, kind of hop in there as well. Uh, a lot of these players are vaccinated, boosted and everything too. So it's just, you know, uh, unfortunate. Even the Giants PA announcer uh, and her husband, COVID protocols as well. So they're doing this to try to prevent the spread of, of COVID-19 to reporters, to other players and stuff. Um, the good news for the Giants is that they have been so built around like depth and like, you know, you just find these guys um, like Luis Gonzalez coming over from the White Sox, former third round pick there and Farhan Zaidi gives him a shot, finds his way up and he hits a big game winning home run against the Brewers. So they've been built on those kind of guys. So I think they should be fine for the near term while hopefully this sorts itself out and everybody ends up okay and that this clears itself off. Well, moving on to cruising the coast, uh, we're going to survey the league here. Right now in the NL West, they are 56 and 39 at the time of recording. Last week, they were a 609 overall, which is pretty dang impressive. That's like championship level. Uh, so the NL West has been showing out pretty well, still keeping that going. And we'll start, first of all, with none other than the San Francisco Giants. The way that they've been playing has been pretty dang impressive, Derek, to start out here 
in the 2022 season, finding themselves in first place by half a game. And it all started here with a five and one recent week, a three game sweep over the Washington Nationals. And then they had their four to two one game win over the Brewers on the road. And then they split two with the Oakland A's. Now they will face the Washington Nationals for three, the Dodgers on the road for two, the first time those teams will link up. And then they'll have four at home with the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, Derek, I guess some early takeaways from your first place, San Francisco Giants. Well, certainly those uh, COVID issues could come into play here, but man, that road trip was so nice for them. And uh, just kind of randomly against Oakland just got shut out and, and the bats didn't come around, but you know, that's the cliche. That's just baseball sometimes. Uh, what's really impressive, they have the same run differential as the Dodgers. They, those are the top two, as I mentioned, in the uh, entire MLB. And so, uh, like, they're beating the brakes off of these teams. It, it's caused a lot of, you know, going back to the Washington Nationals, getting mad that they were attempting a steal. And uh, then it was Tyro Estrada getting thrown out at the plate after attempting to steal, base hit, he gets moved around and stuff. And, and that the Nationals were so mad that they were trying to score more runs up six, like, that was some big deal. So it's becoming kind of almost like a, at least among fans, like a rallying cry and kind of a fun thing. Like anytime the giants are up like three or four runs and they do anything, it's like, wow, that was just completely disrespectful. And that is kind of a fun way that this team has uh, been so far, but man, Jock Peterson has been awesome so far. Um, you can even look through and say that, you know, some of these guys are struggling and they're still accomplishing this. Like there's still avenues for improvement for this team. And so I think that's uh, really exciting. And um, the one thing that I, I, want to mention for sure the bullpen has been awesome yeah they've been able to lock it down both in the rotation and in the bullpen as well as you had just mentioned right there I think that definitely something to address how about the way by the way that Tyler Rogers has pitched early on a 186 ERA keeping that whip at 0.272 uh, he already has six holds uh, so if you play fantasy baseball and are in a holds league that guy is raking them up uh, as we speak to their rivals, that would be the LA Dodgers. These two teams, as I mentioned, they're going to match up here for the first time this season for the Dodgers. They were three and three last week and uh, kind of a weird backwards way that you may predict that uh, they won two of three in San Diego, pretty solid win series right there, but then they dropped two of three in Arizona and looked terrible offensively and defensively as well. They actually were tied with eight runs each with Arizona, which is pathetic against that rotation. So coming up for the Dodgers, they are back at home. They will face the Tigers for three. Then they will host the Giants for two, and then they will head out on the road to Wrigley for three against, honestly, a fairly decent hitting Cubs lineup right now. Cody Bellinger has looked really good, but the defensive struggles is really something that I'm concerned about. Derek, what have you seen so far from the Dodgers, who were in first place a week ago, now second place behind your Giants? Man, their starting pitching has been nails. We, we knew Walker Buehler, Julio Urias, Clayton Kershaw would bring it. Um, Tony Gonsolin has been great so far. Andrew Heaney, before he got injured, was doing really well. Tyler Anderson has even been really good for the Dodgers. So uh, that has been real nice for them, especially in, in kind of the, those zones after those top three guys, because we didn't know if this team had as much pitching depth, but so far so good for them. Uh, Mookie Betts is really interesting to me there because he had this uh, the really slow start to the season kind of has picked it up over the last week he's six of his last 22 so uh, the numbers are, are starting to go up there for Mookie but I, I don't know maybe he's just not healthy maybe something else is going on there. 
Yeah, Mookie is, has dealt in the past, uh, just last season, with hip injuries. I'm a little concerned about Mookie, especially considering he's at the top of the order. And Max Muncy's average at 155 is definitely concerning, but his on-base percentage at 347 shows at least he's still seeing the ball well. He's just not stroking it uh, particularly as well as he is used to. Something to definitely monitor there with L.A., but I, I'm not too concerned about that Arizona series as much as maybe I should have been. It was overall just a really poor defensive series, and they basically handed, I would say, two games away in that series. Okay, moving on to the Padres. They were third last week, third this week as well. 13-7, and 4-2 and two most recently. They dropped two of three to L.A., as I mentioned, but then they swept the Reds in three. Nothing really key to take away there. They now are on the road at Pittsburgh for three, at Cleveland for three, and then they face the Marlins at home for four, which I think is a really interesting series because I think the Marlins are better than most teams and most people realize just because of their pitching. Could be an interesting measuring stick right there considering the Padres are built in I would say a very similar way to that of the Marlins of 2022. Uh, Eric Hosmer has gone to a blistering start this year, uh, literally 500 average over the past week, slugging 938 over the last week. And then you have Mackenzie Gore, the young rookie that, of course, was supposed to be their top prospect at one point. He is showing that he's got the capabilities, striking out 10 reds. Derek, anything to kind of look at there? Uh, Eric Hosmer, MVP candidate. Um, it, it's funny because last year there was talk at the uh, trade deadline about, you know, are they going to try to dump Eric Hosmer and, and have to give up like a Robert Hassel or, or some top tier prospect for them just to unload his contract. And I wonder now, could they hypothetically trade him without having to attach someone and, and maybe even get something back, but would they want to? Cause right now he is helping them buoy the offense, even without Fernando Tatis. He's been awesome. Yeah. I'm super impressed by what Hosmer has been able to do. You Darvish with a quality start against the Dodgers. I think the Padres are going to be a fairly decent threat this year. They still kind of look to me like a playoff team, even without Tatis Jr. And uh, we, we have to mention Manny Machado. The start that he has had is just tremendous. Arguably the best start in the league so far. Uh, 395 average, 605 slugging, three home runs, three stolen bases. He already has 30 hits this year, which is pretty impressive. Definitely been the key contributor they need right now, especially not having the flashy Tatis there. Okay, the Colorado Rockies. You know, we didn't really buy them last week. They were second place in the NOS. They're in fourth this week. They're 10 and nine, two and five in their last seven games. They won two of three in Detroit, but then they were swept in four games in Philadelphia. So now they face the Reds at home for three. So they're back at Coors. Then they face the Nationals. That's a pretty easy slate. And it gets even easier on the road in Arizona. Unless the Diamondbacks somehow are a really great home team like they showed against the Dodgers. That should be a pretty decent Easy nine-game stretch for Colorado. Chad Cool has been the coolest pitcher on the planet so far, and their ace, Herman Marquez, has been the worst in their staff. So, Derek, try to make some sense of this for me. Chris Bryant also, by the way, with back soreness being put on the I.L. Yeah, Bryant is really interesting to me because he started the season pretty hot just in terms of average collecting hits, getting some doubles in there. But this is crazy. He's played 15 games at Coors Field now. And, you know, whenever he comes back off the IL from this injury, let's say, you know, early May, something like that, um, that means that Chris Bryant will still have not had a home run. And he plays for the Colorado Rockies in Coors Field until he comes back. Like, that is wild to me. So that's not a great sign for the Rockies when you give him that giant contract. And this is already happening in uh, year one. But obviously still very early in the season. Kyle Freeland, though, another guy you give a big contract to. He's struggling as well. So uh, this is just the most Rockies thing ever. It's like, 
We don't know when they're going to spend. We don't know when they're just going to let a guy walk away. And then when they do spend like this, this is what happens. Chris Bryant slugging a solid 351. Yeah, exactly what we saw uh, coming, right? I mean, really uh, unbelievable how the way this has gone. And Charlie Blackman looks like he's back again. It's hard to figure this team out. I think that's just what they're going to be this entire season. Okay, and last we have the Arizona Diamondbacks who are 8-11. and 11. Okay, maybe better than we expected. 3-3 three and three in their last six games. They dropped two of three to the Mets, but then they beat the Dodgers two of three. Arguably the two best teams right now in baseball. And uh, they go three and three against them. I, I don't think anybody saw that coming. It doesn't get much easier for them. They go on the road to St. Louis for four. Then they go to Miami for three. Then they come back home for Colorado for three. Zach Gallen looks like he's returning back to form. Madison Bumgarner, maybe also he has a one ERA. Uh, but man, Cattell Marte has just been an utter disaster. One for his last 25. What, what is going on there in Arizona? I Wish I could tell you. Um, it is interesting, though, because I, I do actually, like, see a path that it wouldn't be shocking to me if Arizona finished ahead of Colorado once things are all said and done. I mean, they're only a few games back right now um, because I, I actually kind of like that pitching staff. Like, it's not, you know, a top, I don't know, 10 staff or something, but it's solid. When you have Zach Gallen, Madison Bumgarner, Merrill Kelly, um, like, there's some pretty good arms there. And so when you have some of these young hitters who, I don't know, like Alec Thomas, when he could come up, but if that comes up soon and helps kind of add to a, a lineup that could use a hitter like that. But again, like you go through the lineup and even though Kettle Marte is, is struggling, like you still see some guys where it's like, ah, oh, you know, that's kind of interesting. Like Christian Walker is, is shown some stuff. Um, Paven Smith was a former first round pay. Like, I don't know. They're kind of interesting um, to me in that you can find some some value. And, and like I said, maybe they could be like last year's Rockies, where last year's Rockies team was kind of um, pesky to other teams. and Like they weren't great. They weren't a playoff contender, but like they weren't terrible either. Yeah, they may actually be semi-watchable, something that we never actually saw coming. All right. Well, we have arrived at our freeway exit. Derek, any final thoughts before we head on to our exit? It should be a, uh, another great week in the NL West. And uh, the hope for four wildcard teams is slowly dwindling. All right. That'll do it for the State of the NL West show for week two of the season. And on behalf of Just Baseball, he is Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Join us again next week as we break down the happenings here on the best coast.